Welcome to week number one of a short series that we're doing here in the month of February that we're calling Relationship Goals. We always try to do something about relationships uh, best we can uh, in the month of February with Valentine's Day and all. Uh, last week, last year, we talked about boundaries in relationships and uh, all that's on our archive. Uh, but today, I want to kind of zoom in a little bit tighter uh, in, in this short series, talk about uh, marriage uh, kind of specifically uh, oneness in, in marriage, which I think really is uh, the key to, to having a Christ-centered marriage and, and relationship. And, and before you dial out, I appreciate you joining us online campus. Before you go, if you're single like this doesn't apply to me, uh, I, I just want you to hold on because it may apply to you much quicker, much sooner in other ways than you possibly uh, could even imagine or dream of. In fact, uh, just leading up to this, uh, it reminded me, uh, you, you know, the Bible says the qualifications for spiritual leadership in the church of Jesus Christ, the first one is healthy marriage, and, and then parenting as well, the, the healthy kids and, and good parenting in a godly way. First uh, Timothy chapter 3, verse 2 through 5 says that, and, and if I don't have a healthy, growing, vibrant marriage, I disqualify myself from being a pastor. That's real clear in Scripture. It's funny it doesn't say, got to be a great orator, got to be having all theology and everything. It's about marriage, one of the main qualifications of spiritual leadership. And uh, Susie and I have a, a wonderful marriage, celebrated 30 years, and uh, uh, it's not perfect at all, and I'll be sharing a little bit out of that, but it, it is it's better than it's ever been, growing healthier every day, and uh, I'd still say yes, and she still would, too, if we had to do it all over again. So uh, we're sharing from the Scripture, and it's not talking the talk, but, but I'm supposed to be walking the walk uh, as a, a godly man who has spiritual leadership and, and responsibility in the local church and in the kingdom of God. And, and in fact, you know, if you're single, just take note of this, because uh, a couple years ago, actually, it was... Uh, New Year's Eve, December 31st, 2018, and you know, we have three daughters. None of them were dating at the time. We had a young lady actually living with us as well. She wasn't dating at the time, and, and, and there was just this wave of emotion and estrogen on New Year's Eve, and uh, I was upstairs, and, and my wife came up, and she said, I think you need to go downstairs and give them a, a daddy pep talk, and a young lady who was living with us, uh, I walked downstairs, I said, I'm going to give you a daddy pep talk, and she said, I've never had one of these before. I'm excited, and one of my daughters, unbeknownst to me, actually recorded it, and uh, I thought it might be real just appropriate and perfect to start out. This is just Williamson 101, New Year's Eve, how daddy coaches up his girls, and uh, let's go ahead and play that. It was secretive, so the, the camera switches and it's kind of upside down but you'll get the point let's go ahead and show that new year's eve clip you know what's worse than than being a single woman on new year's eve being with some jerk guy that's not the right guy for you that's worse seriously some guy who doesn't have god's heart doesn't have your best interest in mind that's worse. And, and, and what if instead of like, this isn't where I thought I would be doing what I was, thought I'd be doing on New Year's Eve 2018, what if you're like right in the doorway of something awesome, but right leading up to it, you're down in the 
The pooper. <laughs> I mean, is that any way to prepare for the great next? And I know you're saying, oh, that's easy for you to say. You know, you, you guys, I was 22 when I was married. But here's the thing. You guys have so much time. You have so many years. And when it comes to <coughs> the man that God has for each one of you, it's worth waiting, I'm telling you. Who's your daddy and what does he do? That's, that's what dads do right there. That's, a, that's dads leading the family right there. And uh, believe it or not, the Bible says that's what qualifies me to be a pastor. Is leading my family that way. Leading in my marriage a as well. By the way, two years later, just a little bit over, one of those ladies is married. Young lady that was living with us. One is engaged. One is in a very, very serious relationship. And one is currently dating a wonderful guy as well. So, so if you're single, you can take to heart and, and really listen and learn and prepare yourself for in all likelihood, what may be coming. In fact, it's pretty interesting, just the fact that uh, some statistics, people hear that you know, the divorce rate is 50%. It's the same in the church as outside. There's been a lot of studies recently. That's actually not true at all. In fact, the most recent study that I had, very conservative number, it says those that attend church, now there's nothing about online campuses, so I don't think that necessarily applies, but those who attend are considered devout, attending church service more than once a month, physically attending a service, the divorce rate drops conservatively down to 34%, some say as low as 25%, just because they go to church twice a month. So, so just, just by what we do, because there's something about God created marriage, he knows how it works best, and, and a big, huge part of that is oneness in marriage. And, and so you can follow along in our notes on Valley website. My notes are there. Let's look at what Jesus had to say uh, about marriage because here's a real key. Matthew chapter 19, verse 4 through 5, the, the Pharisees come, they're trying to uh, trap him, actually, and they say, is it okay to divorce your spouse for any reason whatsoever? And, and uh, this is how he responds in verse 4. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning, the Creator, that's God, made them male and female. He said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. Now, what's real interesting about this is Jesus directly credits God for saying this. That, that in Genesis, he's quoting from Genesis chapter 2, and, and, and the writer of Genesis is writing this, but Jesus says, God said for this reason. In other words, this is the word of God. These are the, the very breath and thoughts of God that we have. And so he's quoting Genesis 2, verse 24, and attributing it to God. And it's interesting that in Hebrew, uh, which is a very picturesque language, where it says the two will become one flesh, this word one, it, it means more than just physically. It literally means one human person, one human existence. Oneness is the key to marriage, of Christ-centered biblical marriage. And God created marriage. He knows what it, how it works best. And so what does oneness mean? Real quick, it means one physically. It means one financially. One physically, we're going to talk about next week as we talk about purity and sex. Uh, what God says outside of marriage, what God says inside of marriage, uh, it's going to be a hot one. I, I want to invite you back for that. Financially, what does that mean? Oneness, no separate bank accounts. 
plain and simple. It's all together. It's one. Uh, one emotionally, that, that we care for one another, that, that uh, for me, as, as a married man, my wife is the primary concern in terms of her emotions and, and caring for her, nurturing her. One spiritually, that we're one in terms of our uh, relationship with God, that, that we have the same faith, that we're growing together spiritually, and, and one relationally as well, that my spouse is my first priority of any human being on the planet. Susie comes before my children, before my parents, before my friends, before anything else. Human relationships, one relationally. And the same would be true for her. So you see, oneness creates joy in marriage, but selfishness creates misery and isolation. And if you and I are going to experience the marriage that God wants us to have, Christ-centered marriage, we have to defeat selfishness. And the only way you do that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible otherwise. But when we have oneness, it creates joy in marriage. Oneness is formed by a husband and wife who are embedding uh, intimacy and trust and understanding with one another. They're creating it. They're fostering that. It, it's a couple shaping a common direction, a common purpose, a common plan for their life and their marriage. Oneness in marriage demands a lifetime process of relying on God and, and forging an enduring relationship according to His design, His plan, and His blueprint, really. It, it's more than just the mere mingling of physical bodies. Uh, that's, it's so much more than that. It's a tender merging of body, soul, and spirit. That's what oneness is in marriage. And in fact, I've heard it this way. Oneness in marriage is like a pair of scissors. Uh, the, the two can be apart, but they're stronger because they're together. The power comes when they're united together. That's a great picture of oneness in marriage. I'm still Greg, she's still Susie, but God has joined us together, and, and so there's more power when we're together, when we come together, than when we're apart, when we're separated. Oneness in marriage. And so, even though those, those scissor blades can go in different directions, we're most powerful when we come together in marriage. And God has given us really a, a divine blueprint uh, that offers hope and direction and purpose for marriage. King Solomon spoke about marriage this way in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3 through 4. It says, by wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with precious and pleasant riches. And, and so this is really a picture, again, Hebrew is very picturesque language. It, it's a picture of what a marriage looks like when it's built and established and fulfilling God's plan. That there's supposed to be precious and pleasant riches. There's joy in that marriage. There's joy in that household because we're living the way our marriage, we're conducting our marriage, we're working on our marriage in a way that glorifies God because it's wisdom and understanding and knowledge that creates all of those things. So let me give you today, as we talk about oneness, five foundational factors for oneness in marriage. Now, you're not going to hear this somewhere else outside, and you probably won't hear it in a lot of churches, but we just feel like relationships are so important, our relationship with God, our relationships with one another, and marriage between a husband and wife is so foundational to all culture and society. We talk about it very often here uh, at Valley Christian Church. So the first thing is this, oneness in marriage takes wisdom. And, and let me point this out as we start going through these. None of these five foundational factors for marriage, oneness in marriage, costs anything financially. 
In other words, you can be the richest of the rich and you can be the poorest of the poor. It doesn't matter what kind of community you live in or come from or culture. You can actually do this. I can actually do this. There's no excuses. The only excuse for not having oneness in marriage is laziness. Just because we're not willing to give it our best. To give God our best and to give our spouse our best. Oneness in marriage takes wisdom. Wisdom is a skill of everyday living. It means that we respond in circumstances according to what God says. A, a wise home builder recognizes that God is the architect and he's the builder of our marriages. And as we ask God for wisdom and we search the scripture, he supplies to us the skills that we need to build a happy home. One of the most critical issues, really, that a husband and a wife uh, must settle in, in their life together is who, who's going to be the builder of the marriage? Are we building it by our own intelligence? Are we building it by what our culture around us tells us? Are, are we building us by what the nightly news is telling us? Are, are we building it by what the government tells us? Are we building it the way that the creator and the, even the idea and concept of marriage tells us? And that's God. David warned in Psalm 127, verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless we do it God's way, we'll never get God's best, which is the best when it comes to marriage. Unless we do it the way God has instructed us to. So oneness in marriage takes wisdom. Second thing is this, oneness in marriage takes understanding. Oneness in marriage takes understanding. Uh, look at what 1 Peter chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 7 says. In the same way you husbands, coming at you men, in the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, and talking about that physical strength, I'm stronger than Susie is, that's just facts. She may be weaker than you physically, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life completely equal husband and wife in the eyes of God. Husband is not superior. Wife is not inferior. That is not the teachings of Scripture. That is the teaching of male chauvinists, but that's not the teachings of the Bible. Equal in the eyes of God. She is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. And then watch this, husbands. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. God literally says, if a husband is not loving his wife the way he's supposed to, I refuse to listen to his prayers. I will not answer them. And now I got the men's attention. Not me, but God's word. Crazy how clear the scripture is. God's saying, if, if a husband is not loving his wife, the way that he's supposed to treat it as she should, that God is literally going, while you're praying and what you're asking for. Oneness in marriage takes understanding. After 30 years, I, I, I think I have a PhD, not in women, but in Susie Williamson. Like, I, I study her, I try to study, and she's always changing like every woman is. And, and so it's not like, I got the PhD and I don't need to learn anything more. I'm learning every day, every single day. This, this is what God expects of husbands. This is what God expects. And, and, and it's just like, if you're not ready for oneness in marriage, you're not ready to get married. It's the absolute key 
to a joyous marriage. Understanding means responding to life circumstances with insight, a perspective that, that looks through at the situation through God's eyes. Understanding your mate from God's perspective results in the acceptance of his or her differences with you and, and beginning to learn how God made that person to compliment you. Understanding produces compassion for your spouse instead of disdain and disgust. Husbands, live with your wife, treat your wife with understanding. She's your equal. She's your equal. Understanding builds oneness by establishing a relationship on a foundation of common insight on God's word. Here's the third thing about oneness in marriage. Oneness in marriage takes knowledge. It takes knowledge. And, and you know, when you think about how much knowledge is prevalent nowadays, you know, I, I think it used to could be, you know, maybe you didn't have a great example growing up in your home of, of what a, a Christ-centered marriage looked like between, uh, you know, husband and wife. Uh, and, and maybe that was a little excuse. But nowadays, I mean, YouTube, <laughs> I mean, books, everything that is so prevalent is written. I don't know how to be a godly husband. Is I don't know that that can even be an excuse. I, I don't know, you know, some a woman said, I don't know how to be a godly wife. What? We have more knowledge at our fingertips than ever before in human history. Right at your fingertips. And yet, so many. Marriages are so far below the best that God wants them to be. Oneness requires knowledge. Hosea 4, 6, message translation says, My people are ruined because they don't know what's right and true because you've turned your back on knowledge. And that's the, the, the reality. We have rejected it. If we don't know, if I don't know how to be a godly husband, it's because I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I'm rejecting the knowledge because it's all right there. So many Christian books, so, so much in, in the scripture, so, so many seminars you can go to, watching videos just to be a better hus the husband that God wants you to be or the wife, if you're a woman, that God wants you to be. And so oneness in marriage takes knowledge. Ours is an information culture. We worship information, but here's the whole thing. Knowledge without application is useless. So, so it's all about not just knowing, it's the doing of it. But it starts with knowing. Oneness in marriage takes knowledge. Also, the fourth one, oneness in marriage takes sacrifice. Oneness in marriage takes sacrifice. It's amazing when you look at really the, the weight of Scripture, how much more of it is actually directed toward husbands than, than it is wives. It's just really... I think there's a reason for it because sometimes as men, we're like, what? Uh, I don't know. And so we need it like spelled out for us. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Look at, look at what it says here for us, gentlemen, that are married. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Man, I wish they hadn't said that. I, I, I wish it was just husbands, love your wife, and you can just, you can define what that looks like. But Jesus defined the way that a husband is supposed to love his wife by the way that he loved the church. And then by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul continues to write God's very thoughts on the subject. 
Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So many men think their wife's job is to give up her hopes, give up her dreams for his. And that is the church is supposed to, that's not the way it's supposed to be. He gave himself up for us. He gave himself up for us. He gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of the water through the word and to present her to himself, look at this, a radiant church, a radiant church. You, you know, it just reminds me, you, you always hear, you know, I've officiated a lot of weddings through the years, you, you always hear a bride, you know, oh, she's so beautiful, you know, and, and just radiant. But after you're married, every bride's beautiful on their wedding day. After the wedding, if she's no longer radiant, that's your fault, brother, if your wife is no longer radiant. That, that, if, if my wife is not radiant, that's Greg Williamson's failure. Because I am not loving my wife the way that Christ loved the church. Because when Jesus loved the church, he's presenting her radiant. How do you, it, she's radiant now and will be. How, how radiant is your wife? That's your job, sir. That's your responsibility. One day you're going to stand before Jesus. He's going to say, this is my radiant bride. Let me compare her radiance to your wife. Because I'm holding you responsible for how radiant. Have you, is your wife radiant or have you snuffed out her light? It's serious. Oneness means as a husband, I lay my life down for my wife. To present her radiant just like Jesus, the radiant church. And it goes on and it says, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless in this same way. Husbands, this is exactly what God expects of you. This is exactly what God expects of me, that my wife would be radiant. And it doesn't come through makeup, or nails, or hair. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about fashion or, or great vacations. I'm talking about laying your life down for your wife. She'll glow. She'll glow just like the church. She will be a radiant beauty no matter what her style is, no matter what her age is, because her husband is laying his life down for her. So how, how's your wife shine? How's her glow? How, how one are you really? This, this is Christ-centered marriage. This is what God wants. This is what God is expecting. You're responsible for your wife's radiance. I'm not responsible for any other person. I'm responsible for Susie Williamson's radiance. If I'm looking good and dressed to the nines and she looks haggard and worn out and beat down, that is my failure. And the reality is, I disqualify myself from being a pastor of a church. That's God's word. It's not, it doesn't matter what, how many degrees I have. If my wife is beat down and she's lost her shine, that's my fault. That's on me. And I'm not qualified to be a spiritual leader. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 4, the Bible says, An excellent wife is the crown of her husband. That's what I'm at, the crown of her husband. But she who brings shame is like rottenness to his bones. This is my responsibility. 
This is your responsibility if you're married. If you're thinking about getting married, this is going to be your responsibility, husbands, once you're married. Oneness in marriage takes sacrifice. I, I believe that when a husband is really loving his wife, he is constantly, as Christ loved the church, he's constantly being asked to give something up. What did you give up yesterday for your wife's sake? What are you giving up today? What are you gonna, God's calling you to give up tomorrow? Because that's what Jesus did. He gave up everything for the church. Just like Jesus. As the scripture says. In this same way, husband, you give up for your wife. That's how she's radiant. You give up. Here's the fifth thing. Oneness in marriage takes yielding. Oneness in marriage takes yielding. Ephesians chapter 5 Verse 21, New Century Version says, yield to obey each other as you would to Christ. You know, so many, verse 22 of Ephesians 5 says, wives, yield to your husbands or submit to your husbands. And, and again, so many women have been beat down by that, that, that uh, by husbands that, that just are not laying their lives down as Christ did the church. But, but they forget the verse before it, yield or submit to each other as you would to Christ. Mutual submission, because you're equal in the eyes of God. We need to yield. What does that mean? Tap the brakes. <laughs> let, someone, let, let, let the other have the right of way. That's what it means to, to yield. That's how oneness comes, when we defer to our spouse. And, and I remember in Bible college, we had to take whole semester classes on marriage, and, um, and, and I remember the professor that we had there, um, he made this statement and he said, listen, man, those of you that one day will get married, if you ever have to ask your wife to submit to you or yield to you, you have disqualified yourself as a husband. Because when a man is laying his life down for his wife, this is the easiest thing in the world to do. When he's a brute, when he's a beast, when he's uncaring, when, when he's selfish, that's what causes the struggle because it's not one. It's not one. We're called to yield. Oneness in marriage takes yielding to our spouse. What does that mean? That means I can die to my agenda and selfish ambition. That's what it means to yield. That means I can count you more significant than myself, my spouse. So much, I could throw a scripture with every single one of these. Philippians chapter two, that, that's the mindset that, that Jesus had, that, that he consider others better than yourself. That means I wanna know your interests. That means I yield to you and you yield to me. And so it's not about I'm not yielding to you because you don't yield. It's I yield. That's my responsibility before God. That's your responsibility. We go first. Jesus, hubby, God demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Jesus took the first move. Jesus took the first step. And so it's my job as a husband to yield to my wife. Just like Jesus came in when I was still a sinner and he laid it all down for me and he sacrificed 
everything for me. And he did for you as well. Oneness in marriage is the key. And you can have oneness in marriage. You, you can have oneness in marriage. Maybe, maybe you started out your marriage and you wanted the best and the thought of becoming isolated and lonely never entered your mind. You know, you know there's, there's only one thing worse than, than being single and alone and lonely, and that's being married and being lonely and isolated. And it happens just about as often. I, I'm talking about two Christians that are married, but they don't have a Christ-centered relationship. Jesus is not at the center, and they don't have oneness in marriage. And so you're probably quite sure that your marriage would, would never be affected by disillusionment or mediocrity, where really you just, you just become roommates. You're just kind of like co-workers. That's all you really are. It's not a marriage. Don't, don't settle for so much less than what Jesus demonstrated for you and for me. That's the picture of marriage, Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. And when marriage is what God wants it to be, with oneness in marriage, that's the picture the world needs to see through our Christ-centered marriages, Jesus and the church. Don't settle for the, the mediocrity or the disillusionment. Maybe you see signs of isolation that are becoming apparent and you realize that you've been living with it and in it for years. The good news is that isolation can be defeated. It's a disease that can be cured if you're willing to make the right choices and if you're willing to put in the necessary work to build in oneness. You know, anyone who's ever had kids would tell you, <laughs> you know, parenting is a lot of work. It's hard work. But when done right, it's rewarding work. I've got to be honest, parenting wasn't easy, but it was a heck of a lot easier than marriage is. Marriage takes work. It takes work until death do you part. But there is nothing more rewarding than when a husband and wife experience true oneness, physical, financial, emotional, relational, spiritual oneness. You know what it is? It's a taste of heaven on earth. That's how God created it. Not, not, not just in the first year, the honeymoon phase, but five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years and even further down the road. That's what God's desire is. That's his plan for every husband and every wife that is following after Jesus. He's the Savior and Lord at the center. That's why when I officiate a wedding, I, I always ask couples this, you know, when, when they come and they're engaged, we're going through premarital counseling, I ask them, you know, do you know at what moment you're married in the eyes of God. And, and, you know, they have different answers. Most of the time they don't get it right. <laughs> but, but it's when I place my hand, a symbol, standing in the place of God, upon their right hands joined together and say, what God has joined together, 
right there. Let no man separate. See, marriage is not two becoming one. It's three. Just like this right in the middle of these scissors. That's God right in the middle. That's a Christ-centered marriage. And when those blades of that scissor come together, it's much more powerful than when those blades are apart. This is the picture. What God has joined together, let no man separate. And may that marriage thrive and radiate the beauty of the bride of Christ and Jesus the Son sacrificing himself for her. Nothing brings God more glory than a husband and wife committed to laying their life down for one another and showing that picture to a world that needs to see it so badly. You can have oneness in marriage. It takes work, and it takes Jesus Christ at the center. I'm going to ask right now, would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the picture of marriage that is presented to us in Scripture of Jesus Christ and the church. Father, I, I just pray right now for every marriage that, Lord, if it's husband and wife, or, or one spouse, not the other, that is hearing this message right now, Lord, that your word would just inspire and encourage and challenge us not to settle for mediocrity, not, not, not to settle for isolation, for just being roommates, be, being business partners, teammates. Lord, that you have so much more for us in marriage, that we would truly be as husbands, a picture of how Jesus Christ lays his life down for the church. As wives, a picture of how the church should respond to that sacrifice of Jesus with love and, and honor and respect. Father, thank you that not only did you create marriage, it was your idea, you showed us how it works best, what the, what the gold standard is. And Father, may we double down and recommit ourselves, those of us who are married, to live a picture of Jesus Christ in the church in our marriages. And Lord, those of us that are single, may we, may we take to heart your word that we've just scratched the surface of today during our time together on marriage. And, and, and may we prepare, may they prepare themselves, Lord, to be that spouse that if it be your will one day, they will be. By the power of your Holy Spirit, we need you so badly. Thank you that you've given us hope. Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. It's in that name we pray.